I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, peeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they crowd. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue. Commission as a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella, at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter, uh, flying solo in the host chair tonight, but I do have two great guests with me here. Uh, first, uh, Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies. Zach, how you doing tonight? Oh, fantastic. It's uh, excited to be here. Yes, I'm very excited to have you, as well as Garrett Price from the Dynasty Nerds. Garrett, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's get in here, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about film and 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 the process and all that good stuff. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, so that's what we're doing here tonight. That's why I brought these two guys on. Uh, the topic tonight is going to be about uh, rookie scouting, uh, rookie film scouting, and and ranking. Um, something I've been interested in learning more about myself. And I figured if I was, uh, maybe some other listeners are out there too. So bring on two, two of the best in the business at it to, to come on and talk about it with me, talk about their process. Uh, we're not going to be really getting in probably too much into specific prospects or anything like that. It's more about just if you want to start watching this stuff, like I, I've mentioned in the past that, that the past couple of years, I've tried to start watching more stuff, especially I've. I'm part of the nerd herd, Garrett, so I uh, I have access to that film room. But I don't totally know what I'm looking at, so I figured I'll bring you guys on. You can tell me what I should be looking for. Tell our listeners what we should be looking for. And the idea is just kind of lay out the whole process from the very beginning. If you're first, you know, learning how to do this uh, to the end, you know, where we get to the draft and ranking them, all the guys and stuff like that. So uh, just before we get into some of the details, uh, I did just want to start. I was going to ask you guys just how long have you guys been uh, doing the film scouting thing? And, and and who did you learn from? Like, who who did you pick brains up to kind of learn what you were doing? So, uh, Zach, why don't you start off? So I kind of started dabbling in this whole thing in 2014. We had that great rookie class that came in. And it was before we even had the podcast, like before Kyle and I started the Dynasty Dummies, just to try to get an edge in home leagues. And so I started in earnest, like doing this in 2015 with the, the Todd Gurley class and Melvin Gordon and Amari Cooper. And I really got turned on to film scouting by the FF Ghost. And I don't know if you if you know him. He's kind of like the – he's an OG. He's like a predecessor to all this. So uh, he used to do, and I think he still does, um, uh, the Orange Report, which was a Devi uh, scouting report. And it was – I mean, it just was so in-depth. It went into everything. It went into offensive tackles and, and defensive players and like way beyond anything I uh, wanted to get into. But – 
it got me interested in in scouting because it broke down piece by piece what he was looking for and it kind of combined the film and the metrics and i was like well i don't want to do numbers i want to get into the film side of things and so i started going after that kind of in a similar fashion to the ff ghost and and then jake anderson who was at nfl draft talker the first time i did uh rookie breakdowns by myself where i read my film notes immediately jake anderson messaged me and he was like that was terrific he's like you you made this accessible he's like you took everything you just saw and then put it into uh you know words that anybody could kind of understand what you were looking for and i said that's exactly what i'm trying to do now i have to figure out how to get good at you know watching the players and and figuring out what i need to be looking for yeah and that those are some some great names jake I, anytime i hear jake anderson i may think of your guy uh, peter ha peter howard as well oh, yeah but, yeah uh but he, he he's the opposite and he's the, he's more the uh the numbers and analytics guy but uh garrett what about you how long and 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 who who's some of some of the brains you pick yeah so it's probably been about uh probably about 15 years now or so wow. uh i i was uh, fortunate enough to uh, play high school football and then some college football as well. And so for me, it was just your your old school, like you're you're sitting there and, uh, you know, I played I played both offensive defense in high school and then just defense in college. Uh, but it, I mean, you get to sit there with guys that are spending just ungodly amounts of time with these. Co I mean, these coaches just spend so much time watching tape and the repetition over and over and over. And and just over time, you just pick up a lot of those things and you know, a lot of the stuff they don't have to point out anymore. You're like, oh, I should have been looking for blank here. And, you know, I should have been, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so I think over time with, uh, you know, hanging out with the coaches and different things like that, that that just kind of evolved into, you know, I, I love fantasy football. I love all of this stuff. So I'll take the stuff that I that I did for a long time with uh, on the field and then translate that to, you know, th this game within a game. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Then yeah, you playing the game, you and watching tape for games, uh, it, it probably gives you even more of an advantage over over schmucks like me just trying to to watch these rookies and and figure things out. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I I, I think it's, sometimes it's funny too because sometimes I'll get too much into the weeds on stuff that like doesn't matter for fantasy football. It's like that literally won't affect fantasy football anymore. Like, why am I worried about it? But Right, right. So so let's get into the whole scouting thing. Like I said, I wanted to start from the very basics and then kind of move from there. Um, so some of the things at the very beginning, I guess you wouldn't – when you would start kind of watching for this upcoming class, I know, Garrett, I believe you're, you know, sort of a Debbie guy who's watching these guys even before the upcoming class. I know Zach sure. is not. Um and where do you watch from? Is it the, you know, I know you have the dynasty nerds film room. Um, is there other places that you look for, for tape or things like that? Uh, so far, uh, we've been very fortunate to have a couple, uh, it's, it's funny. Like all 22 is this like weird, it's this like weird underground, uh, <laughs> like, you know, you have to know a guy that knows a guy and then he's like, shh, don't tell anybody. And like, you know, it's like this, it's weird. Uh, so we do have an all 22 library that we access, but we got to the point where we're like, screw it. We don't care. Like we're just going to cut it up and put it up. So we've actually now started putting like the all 22 up in the film room, uh, which has been really nice, but the, the broadcast angle is fine and it, and it works and you can get, you can glean a lot from it, but the, the angle to be like specifically for running backs, uh, you know, when you're trying to scout vision, 
like not being able to see it from the end zone view. It's it's you're really just guessing if you know on some of the angles and some of those kinds of things. It's, it's really really difficult, and and sometimes it's even tough to tell what what play scheme it was. You know, a, a trap versus um, you know a gap uh, power run and, and different things like that. So uh, I, I think the the all twenty two is if you can find that that is the creme de la creme. If not, broadcast view will work, but that's that's the ideal situation. And that's actually something I and we'll get in more about specific things we're looking for at specific positions in a little bit. But I've always wondered that, too, with the broadcast feed, like how do you how do you judge like route running when you obviously can't see the receiver yeah. for the entire play? It, it's tough because you can really only judge it on ones where he was targeted yeah. uh, and you hope that they showed a replay because you really only got to see the end of the play. So, right. yeah, it's tough. And uh, and what about you, uh, Zach? When do you when do you start scouting these guys as a, as a non Debbie guy? And uh, and and uh, where where do you watch film from? So I, I usually don't start until November or December. So it kind of puts me a little bit behind the eight ball. But the reason why I do that is because I don't want uh, to be colored by anybody else's analysis, and I don't want to have an idea of what these players are in my head before I start watching them because I I think that uh, film watching is subjective enough uh, without anything else trying trying to color that. And so I really make it a point not to... And there's so many really good analysts, both uh, on the film side of things and on the analytics side of things. But I really try to shut everybody out uh, before I start watching uh, film on my own. And it, it's the same thing Garrett said. I mean, if you can get your hands on all 22s and, and you know, obviously the nerds have, have a great library, uh, that's fantastic. Um if not, you know, I, I, I've done, I, I made myself feel old the other day because I said TiVo, but like I, I've recorded things, you know, recorded games on, on my TV, especially um, with, with players that it's going to be tougher to get clips from. So anytime the games are on TV, I'm like, yeah, I, I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. And then I can go back and watch uh, uh, games. And it is, it's a lot of, for me, it's a lot of broadcast angles because I don't have as many connections. And, and and so you you know you make do with what you've got, but to combat that, I think I try to watch uh, between ten to fourteen games of these players, and so I start with early stuff because I I'm not I'm not Debbie, so I start with stuff at the beginning of their career, and then I'll watch a couple of games in the middle of their career, and then I'll watch you know the 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 chunk the the bulk of it uh, in in their last year before they come out, but but you want to see that progression of a player you want to see if they had flaws and they were able to you know overcome them or or make them strengths that sort of thing kind of as a progression over their career zach ever the pro that he is getting in was getting into my next question before i even asked it (laughs) Uh, so how do you uh, like decide which games you're going to watch you just pick some games at random do you do you scour the stats and see oh he had a good game here let me watch this one he had a bad game here let me watch that one how do you pick which games from you know which seasons you're going to watch so yeah, I mean, it, with with all of these players, it's about uh, reps. It's it's about the number of times you see them uh, perform. So so even if uh, it's not a great game, if they had a lot of touches, it's nice to see that because when I watch film and when I when I start doing my my charting is not really quite the right word, but we'll say charting. Uh, I want to see what they do uh, repeated 
because it's really easy to dream on these guys. It's really easy to see, you know, Rashad Bateman go down the sideline and make a one-handed catch and be like, oh, that's amazing. But you want to see the repeatability of things, both positive and negative, because I think that what they tend to be is what they do most often instead of, instead of, you know, really get excited and dreaming on the, the, the highlight plays. Okay. So that makes sense. Uh, ones where they're, so basically is what you're looking for is ones where you know, you're going to see a lot of them. Oh yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. And, and whether it's positive or negative, because you know, you're going to get both. Uh, it doesn't matter what games you're watching. You're going to get things that they do well, and you're going to think, get things that they, that they do poorly. And, and I want to see the, the number of times that those things are repeated because to me that makes up uh, the player and the profile that I'm looking for. And Garrett, even though uh, I know, like I said, you're watching these guys before the upcoming rookie class, uh, I assume you probably do something of like a rewatch or something as we oh, as they become. Yeah. So uh, are you basically similar to Zach? You'll pick a few games from each season where they were significant players in their team or. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I will try to target their at least statistically one or two of their their absolute best games and one or two of their absolute worst games because I do want to get a glimpse of the entire gamut. Uh, and and the other thing that I try to look for is because you you do have to scout the player and not necessarily the defense that they're playing. You know, we're speaking specifically of offensive players. Sometimes it's easier to say like, oh, he, you know, uh, he played against lesser competition or different things like that. So you want to do your best to, to scout the the player but i do want to see them against the very best competition i possibly can so i'm usually looking for okay what were some of the best you know if it's a receiver some of the best corners that they went up against i want to take a look and see against some of those guys who were some of the best you know front sevens that this running back went up against uh you know so different things like that so so that way i can see them against the closest to nfl competition that i'm going to be able to see them against like i said you have to scout them individual like besides that uh but it is nice to see against you know top tier talent how how these guys perform yeah that's that's a really good point yeah just trying to scout them against the better defenses i like that uh and one thing i want to hear from both of you too is someone who's sitting down to do this okay so at this point in the in the off season we kind of especially if you're like me and listen to to 10 million pods you you have an idea of who who the the guys are sure. even even some of the deeper guys but when if you're sitting down to do this like Zach in like November um or don't have the Debbie knowledge that Garrett has um how are you deciding like who to watch how deep to go at each position? Like where, where are you pulling the names from in November, Zach? So here's where I kind of cheat a little bit because there are Debbie guys who will put out just a list of players that are going to be Travis may is one where I'm in a couple of DMS with him and I'll just say, Hey, Travis, give me 40 names of guys in this class. And so he'll just, he'll send me that. And, and then I'll just start, you know, chewing film and, and figuring out, where I rank the the players. So, so I don't necessarily have any knowledge of who they are other than the names. And, and that's how I like it. Um, again, just because it's, it's so hard to be objective with film watching and I, I don't need any more subjectivity coming in. So I just, I just want names, but I have guys that I can go ask and say, Hey, Riley Bymaster, same thing. Uh, you know, and, and there are a couple other, I mean, Ray Garvin, there are a couple guys that, that you, you trust as Debbie guys. And you're like, okay, just give me names. I don't want, I don't want to know anything, but I want names. 
So, uh, and how, how about like per position? Like, how deep do you go, uh, Garrett? I'm trying to go uh, as far as anyone that I think has a chance to get drafted in the NFL draft. Like, if I think they have a realistic shot in getting drafted, even though I know that I'm going to watch three or four running backs that end up going undrafted, I'm going to watch four or five receivers that end up going undrafted. If they have a real shot at it, I want to watch them play. Like, a great example last year, I didn't get as many games in them. Uh, on him as I wanted to. But one of the reasons I had James Robinson on my list is I watched two games of him at Illinois State. Uh, two game, I don't like to make a a, uh, a prediction of you know how good I think that player is going to be off of two games. But sometimes your uh, tape on a player is just really hard to get your hands on because they're from a smaller school or you know something like that. So, uh, but yeah, if I think that a player has any shot at all of getting drafted. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going after him. So even if you're not a, you know, a guy that's watching a lot of college football, if you're not doing Debbie stuff, even sites that are, you know, generic, like a, like a Walter football, you know, they'll at least put out lists of like, you know, mock drafts of here's the 28 running backs. We think that could get drafted and different things like that. So those are always good. Just kind of starting points of, all right, here's at least names that are relevant in the conversation. Yeah, that's a, and that's a great reference point too, because yeah, that Walter Football is a you know free site you can go to, yep. and just get a list of names. Uh, Zach, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was, the other cool thing about this entire process is you don't have to watch everybody now. Uh, right. You don't have to get everybody done, you know, pre combine or pre pro days this year. Uh, and and the nice thing, and I, I'm going to kind of cross pollinate some of your questions, but <laughs> the nice thing that that I have found is. That analytics, the guys who who run the numbers, can cast this really wide net that I can't, and they will identify players that I have not even heard of as as players who have potential to be NFL prospects and and be fantasy football relevant. And when that happens, I will go back and I will watch them and and, and say, oh yeah, you're onto something, or nah, like your numbers are are taking you back something that's fool's gold. And, and so I kind of, I, I, I say, you know, they, they cast a wide net and fish and then I'm the seagull. I just kind of go around and go, all right, that one's mine and that one's mine. And I'll, you know, I'll pick those, those out. And so, you know, you get kind of this, the best of both worlds where some of these, some of these lower level prospects or some of the guys who aren't the most heralded are players that will get kicked up by, by these analytics, uh, you know, the, the metrics and, and the numbers. And so, once I'm done with my with my initial film watch, then I want to talk to Peter Howard. You know, I want to talk to to all of these all of these guys, David Wilsey and and Dave Wright and Kent Wyrock and Michael Liu. Like, I want to talk to them after I'm done with my initial evals because they'll give me more players that I can go back and watch. Yeah, I love I love Zach and his, Zach is the seagull. I love Zach and his metaphors. <laughs> I forget who it was. It was a, one player is, is a mosquito. Who who was that? That, that? That's Rondell Moore, man. Rondell Be- Moore, believe the, the buzz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you have your uh, so at this point now we have our you know list of names and we figure out where we're going to watch film from. So now we're going to start watching. Um, so basically, I wanted to go position by position and kind of just get a bit of a breakdown from both of you on what it is you're looking for. I'm sure there'll be plenty of overlap and a lot of the same things. So um, I'll start with you, Garrett, uh, at running back. Basically, what are the the biggest factors you're looking for? Really all the factors you're looking for, but maybe ones you stress the most 
and specifically in terms of how it's going to translate for fantasy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So running back's a really interesting position because I think in order to be able to scout running backs well, I think you kind of have to understand what the offensive line is doing. And I think that's one of the most difficult parts of all of that is you're not just learning the running backs, but now you're having to understand at least some general concepts of what's going on up front, even if it's just as simple as being able to identify uh, some zone schemes versus some gap schemes versus some man schemes. You might not be able to identify the specific plays and things like that, but at least concepts of how it all works. And so I think that's a big thing that is tough to do. Uh, there's not a lot of like, it, it's, it's fun to talk about running backs. It's fun to talk about receivers. <laughs> Offensive linemen are not fun to talk about. Uh, it, it's not an enjoyable, like, Oh man, I'm going to go watch this guard. Yay. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, uh, but I think it is good to learn, uh, just some of the basics on how some of the blocking schemes work, because that gives you a much better idea. Because if you want to talk about a, a running back's vision and, and what they should be doing, if you don't understand where the blocking is supposed to be coming from, it's really hard to know if the running back saw the hole or not, because, you know, you might say traditionally the hole was actually designed to be here. He cut and went here. Well, if you don't know that, you don't know if he if he read it right or not, you know? So I think that's one of the biggest things. And it's it's honestly one of the most difficult parts. And, and even somebody that I played running back, I still have to like freshen up on a lot of these things. Like it's not something that just always I'm, you know, like, oh yeah, I got all of it. Like it does, it takes some work, it takes some time. So I, I will say that that is one of the biggest things about understanding at least running back vision. Now, can you still identify good running backs without understanding everything perfectly? Yes, absolutely. But I think that is one of the biggest things that's probably missing for a lot of people or that's more difficult to get for a lot of people is is really how to understand a running back's vision but just because they just don't understand offensive line play. Real quick, Garrett, if, uh, if someone, you know, doesn't necessarily understand offensive line play yeah. that in depth. Do you have any kind of resource that someone can maybe look to to kind of get a more of an understanding of that? Yeah, there's some really great YouTube tutorials um, just on some basic like offensive line stuff. So um, like a, a basic zone scheme and, uh, you know, on an outside zone run versus like an inside zone run. It's it's all about so zones in general, the offensive line is going to move as an entire unit. So you're going to see their head pop up, the offensive lineman's head pop up, and they're all going to kind of move as a wall in one direction. That's the best way that you can kind of tell now. Inside zone, they're taking a much smaller step. Outside zone, they're taking a, a deeper bucket step and kind of wrapping around. And so, like, you, 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 and they'll show you on film, like, how that works and what that looks like. And I do believe that I've put out a couple tweets in the past. I'll have to go see if I can find them on some different um, blocking schemes and, like, what it looks like and how it works. Um, you know, like, so that's a good one to just kind of understand, like, oh, that's what a zone looks like. And then you can kind of more understand what the running back's looking for and that because it's it's much less um you know an exact a gap or b gap where you're going to get with you know the the man in the gap schemes it's kind of more of a general area and how it all flows uh more so with, with, with zone schemes so uh but yeah i would say going going to youtube and and just kind of plugging in like a, a matt waldman or uh we've done some of it uh the dynasty nerds film room we we've uh uh, or sorry, film nerds. You know, we talk about that on there somewhat as well. Um, but yeah, even just NFL coaches will will go in there and, and talk about the specifics on how they run a specific scheme or different things like that. So uh, that's definitely something I would recommend. 
Okay, uh, so Zach, Garrett mentioned, you know, obviously vision for running backs and understanding how that works with the offensive line. What are some of the other things uh, that we're looking for for running backs? I'll tell you one of the most important things, and this is going to sound counterintuitive because we're talking about running backs, but in fantasy football, it's primarily PPR. So a lot of what I'm looking for is the ability to catch passes. And uh, you've probably heard me, yeah, you've heard me talk <laughs> before. And again, it's not predictive. It's it's nothing that I'm saying that that a guy is is going to be an NFL receiving back if he's if he's had 20 catches. But if you look at the number of, of NFL players who have 30 receptions in a season over the past six seasons, it's something like 87% of those guys have had 20 catch seasons in college. And I think that part of that is just the fact that, that NFL coaches are not are not looking to reinvent the wheel when when they're when their job is on the line and when they're paying guys millions of dollars. They want players who have done something before and they know can do it again. And so that's something that that I look for. Um, the, the things that I break down for, for running backs, you know, obviously vision, I'm looking for their elusiveness. I'm looking for their ability to cut, you know, you know, both at speed and, and making moves behind the line of scrimmage. I'm looking for their ability to break tackles, uh, and, and avoid, you know, avoid that hit. I'm looking for their power. So you talk about somebody like Javante Williams and, and the way he runs through tackles, uh, I'm looking for their patience. So sometimes you see, I mean, you, you talk about what, what Garrett was talking about is waiting for your, your blocks to get set up before you attack a hole. So I'm looking for that, uh, obviously pass catching. And then I'm looking for their ability to block a, a little bit because that helps you get on the field. And, and it's, it's not the end all be all being able to pass block is a tough thing. And oftentimes you see it get neglected a little bit in college, uh, and, and players develop in, in the NFL. That's one of the things I think that NFL does a pretty good job of developing as a skill, but it's something you like to see at least a little bit of in, in college. And, and is there any of the, and I'm going to ask both of you this, is there any of those factors that you tend to, to wait more over the others out of, out of all the things you just listed there, Zach? I mean, the, the ability to pass catch obviously is paramount. Um, and, and if you can combine that with that vision and then some degree of being able to get around tackles whether it's being elusive or whether it's having power uh you know those those that combination uh to be you know what we would consider a a bell cow for for fantasy so somebody who's going to carry the ball 200 times and and have more than 30 catches that's what you're looking for in a in a PPR running back and, yeah and, and, I'm sorry, Garrett, you go. No, no, you're good, Zach. That was a fantastic list talking about the the qualities and things like that. One one additional thing I'll add on to it. Uh, we fall in love with the 40 yard dash. Mm. I get it. It's fun. It's one of the most exciting, you know, events. Uh, but for me, I, I don't care as much about the long speed, but acceleration is really, really yeah. important to me. So that, you know, if you're looking at the 40 times, like I want to see the 10 yard split. I want to see guys that can really, you know, burst. Uh, and I was just going to say burst. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I want to see that burst out of them. So like, you know, we were mentioning Javante Williams just a little bit ago. Javante Williams is not the fastest guy uh, out of the running backs we're going to see, but he has really good burst. You know, he has good short area quickness, good short area speed. So uh, uh, I'm going to add that into a lot of the things that, that Zach was talking about, because that that is one of the more important things for me. Uh, that uh, contact balance, I want to be able to see how well you absorb blows and are able to keep going. Um, so I, I would say those are the other things that I would say are pretty paramount for me. Okay. And uh, okay, Gary, so let's get into the, the wide receivers now. Well, what are you looking for there? 
Yeah. So wide receiver is a, is an interesting one. I, I love a good route runner. I do. I love a guy that can run really good routes. The hard part is the, the NFL similar, you know, Zach was talking about pass blocking and that can be developed. It's, It's very similar with, with route running. So, it's a plus for me if they're already able to do it. That means that they can probably win quicker. They can get on the field quicker, things like that. But I'm not going to necessarily knock a guy a ton if he's not a great route runner yet. However, there are things that I need to see them as far as wh- where do they win. And I think that's the biggest thing for me with wide receivers. Where do they win? So are they really good off the line? Do they set up their 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 defensive back really well? Do they use their hands really well? Hand fighting, being able to get off of off of guys. Uh, do they have great speed? Do they have uh, are the ability to be able to separate? And usually, a lot of the separation doesn't necessarily come from speed. It can, but you see guys like Keenan Allen and Stephon Diggs that aren't necessarily these crazy burners, but they get good separation. And part of it is that they, uh, the, the ability to be able to sink their hips, be able to make tight turns in and out, all of those types of things, setting their guys up. I, I want to be able to see them do some of those things. And then, you know, how are they in contested catch situations? Can they go up and make a play? Are they physical enough? Are they strong enough? Are their hands strong enough? So uh, there's a lot of different ways receivers can win. And that's, that's the fun of it is there's all of these different molds, especially this year's class is a great example of it. These receivers are in all kinds of different modes, molds, but I want to see several ways that I think they can win at the next level. So, you know, if they're just a speed guy and I don't see anywhere else that they win, I'm probably out. If they're just really, really physical and, you know, can box guys out, but that's really all I can see, probably out. I need to see multiple ways that they can win. Yeah. I, I I really I really like that I, I I love everything that that you just said and it's it's funny I've been kind of over the past couple of years kind of revamping the way I look at receivers because we have this this blanket receiver and it's really a misnomer because there are what four or five different buckets within that yeah. that position of receiver and so you you know you've got someone like Rashad Bateman who can do everything. You know, he can he can split out wide and go down the field. He can get off press. Uh he can he can slide inside. You you saw him do that more this year than than he did uh when when Tyler Johnson was there. Uh and so, you know, you you've got him who can kind of be the queen chess piece, but then you've got somebody like Tamori and Terry or I, I I like to think that Jamar Chase is more of an X so the guys who split out sure. wide go one on one you know you're you're really looking for that ability to get off press whether it's hand fighting whether it's that jab whether you know it's a hesitation and and create separation that way then you've got somebody like Rondell Moore who's going to be primarily a slot he wins in an entirely different way he wins with that with that quickness and creates the separation it's it's almost like to me watching a point guard so, yeah, so you get that. I mean, you talk about sinking your hips, Allen Iverson with that, with that little crossover, because you create leverage, you, you plant on the outside foot of the defender, you make them make a decision. And once they make a decision, I mean, they're on defense. So they're, they're defensive. Like they're, they're already reacting to you. Once you make them react, he can create separation going the other way with that quickness. And so there are just so many different ways to win as a receiver. And I've really been kind of, of toying with that idea when I watch players. And I, I like what you said about, about guys winning in, in different ways too, because I think that you end up with, you know, Rashad Bateman, again, to go back to him, he's a player who can win in so many different ways in this class. Yep. It's a lot of fun. And I think, 
last year, Justin Jefferson was that type of player where he was a slot player, but he could win against zone. He could win against man. He could win in, in the short to intermediate areas, but he could also go over the top. And, and yeah. so to be able to have that kind of Swiss army knife profile is really, really nice. Um, I think the other thing that I've really been looking for with wide receivers that I've found really helpful, especially in the guys that you look at that uh, most of the community doesn't believe are, are number one, you know, the, the, the alpha that, I mean, I use that in, in sure. air quotes because what's really an alpha, but, but you see the, the Calvin Ridley type profile, or you see the Cooper cup type profile, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, there were questions with him last year, AJ Brown, a couple of years ago, there were questions with, these were all players who beat the hell out of zone coverage. And if you are going to be that that two, that that not quite the X receiver, but somebody who can play in the slot or play the Z, uh, if you can beat zone coverage, I think a lot of times you see junk defenses in the NFL where the middle of the field is playing zone. And if you have the ability to identify the hole in the zone and sit down and create a throwing lane for your quarterback, that just adds another element that I'm looking for in a wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it's it's fun to see, too, how much different players that you would consider more traditional X receivers at the NFL level right now that are more than willing yeah. to go in the slot like they're 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 evolving. Uh, the the offenses are becoming uh, much more versatile. The 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 days of, you know, this is our this is our X receiver. This is our Z. Uh, you know, we have our, our slot guy. That's all been mixed around. And I think the more diverse you can be with that, the more successful you'll be. And it's so funny to me, though, because we're still chasing that Calvin Johnson, that yep. Des Bryant, that Julio Jones profile. And, and and it's, you know, I've said this a couple of times recently, but, you know, if you're playing a new game by the old rules, you're not going to win. So you've got to kind of figure out where the vanguard is, where all of this evolution is in the NFL, and figure out how to get ahead of it, you know, as a fantasy football player, which, you know, if we're not diving in like NFL head coaches, you know, we're, we're playing catch-up as it is. Sure. Yeah, this is this is great stuff. I I knew I was going to enjoy this because I could just sit back and, and just listen to you guys talk all night. But um, uh, but uh, going to then uh, tight end, uh, and I I I was curious too on this because obviously they're also pass catchers like receivers. Is it similar what you're looking for in tight end, or is it vastly different scouting tight ends and wide receivers, Zach? So for me, it's it's pretty similar because of the evolution of tight end in the NFL and how how a lot of them are used out of either the H back role or split into the slot. So so you're looking for that sort of thing. I do put a premium on being able to block. I mean, I, I like that from a tight end. Uh, it's not a hundred percent necessary, but I think that if you look at the guys who are on the field in the red zone, there are guys who can do both. Uh, so you're looking at you know. Uh, Gronkowski was was the the epitome of of that tight end. Uh, I think Hawkinson is like that. I mean, you want a guy who yeah. can, yeah. You want a guy who can, if he has to, road grade, set the edge. You know, because obviously NFL teams like to run uh, in in the red zone, but you also like to have that guy who can chip and then get out into the flat and make a play and, and score touchdowns. Because if you're looking at fantasy football, there aren't a lot of tight ends that are, are having high volume of receptions. I mean, there are three or four 
maybe maybe i'm being very generous tonight i'm feeling i'm feeling nice <laughs> um but but what you're what you're looking for is guys who are on the field in the red zone who can score touchdowns and, and so that that basically is is what i'm looking for it's it's everything you're looking for in a receiver but being able to run block and pass block uh also anything you would add on on tight ends uh, garrett no i'm very much on the uh on, on team being a good blocker. Uh, it's, it's funny too, because uh, you people tell on themselves sometimes. And it's funny. Uh, like one of the, one of the negatives that I've heard thrown out because obviously everybody loves Kyle Pitts in this class. Like one of the negatives I've, I've heard thrown out is that like, he doesn't block Ooh. and from, <laughs> from watching it, I'm like, he's actually a pretty good blocker. Like he, he really gets after it. He's funny though. He he almost outquicks himself sometimes. He does. Like he's such a good blocker. He gets he gets out ahead and then like releases his block and it's like no 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 stay on that. Like that stay was great. It. Yeah yeah. So so that's funny because uh, that that is one thing that you know tight ends are are you know half offensive linemen half receivers. So I don't think they're as fun to scout because you have to watch the other half of you know we talked <laughs> about how boring offensive linemen are. Uh, but but that is one thing that I absolutely agree. I want a guy that's able to do everything because. Uh, with how versatile some of these receivers have become, yes, teams are willing to use their tight end as a stand-up Y and you know make plays there, but uh, they you, you want them to be on the field as much as possible. So if it's you know situations where they're going to be uh, you know in tight and you're not going to have the tight end being able to play the slot as much, just because you have you know a really good receiving core or whatever, uh, that that can that can be a detriment. So I want a guy that can can be a traditional end of the line guy but but i also want a guy that can stand up too and so you, you both i guess would say that tight end is basically like scouting receiver just sort of emphasizing that blocking factor more yeah yeah okay um and then there's the next position which uh even nfl teams cannot scout very well it seems uh which is quarterback yeah uh, i know zach you you've said quarterback is a little uh iffier for you if i remember correctly yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 the the position that I am least confident in scouting. But uh, from a fantasy football perspective, you can kind of cheat because you have that the the rich rebar Konami code. Like you're looking for guys who can move the pocket and move the ball with their feet. Uh, and and also like I, I'm looking for arm strength. I'm looking for accuracy. Looking for mobility. I mean that's that's really important pocket awareness. I'm looking for them to be able to uh, have accuracy short, be able to throw down the field. I'm looking for that that reading progression. So, you know, if my first option is not open, second option, check down. Uh, and, and I'm looking for a guy who can stay in the pocket and, and, and be able to have a little bit of poise under pressure. But again, this for me is the least scientific of, of all of the positions that I look at because there is so much going on and it's so team specific, you know, in college and then the game changes in the NFL. I know we're going a little bit more to the run pass option and you, and you've got a little bit more uh, trend to the, the mobile quarterback, but we're still not like we're still everybody's still looking for that Dan Marino. They're looking for that Tom Brady. And like those don't come along very often. And and they also don't produce if you're not at that upper echelon level, they're not producing for fantasy like somebody, you know, like Lamar Jackson or, you know, all of these quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen, all these quarterbacks that, that get it done with their legs. And what are you looking for a quarterback, Garrett? 
Yeah, it's uh, it is. It's it's the toughest one because the the most significant part of a quarterback is what is going on between the ears. Yeah. Like that's the most important part for a quarterback. And we just don't know, like, you know, we just, we just don't know how that works. Like you can watch interviews. You can hear what coaches are saying. You can, you know, you can watch different breakdowns of the guy, but until they get out there, you you can't tell, you know, fully what the intelligence level is, but, but you also can't tell what the confidence level is going to be. Uh, you know, confidence is such a big thing for a quarterback out there. Uh, so th- there's just so many different things like that, that you're just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I hope. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's uh, unless you've, you've specifically spent time as a quarterback or an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, like I said, I, I played football forever and, you know, I watched a lot of tape and I still can't tell you that like, this quarterback is going to be significantly better than this one just because of of how much of it is is a mental game at the quarterback position and uh, uh Zach mentioned it the uh, the home ability factor especially if if they mm-hmm. can actually like get rushing yards for you um yep. do you need to then if that guy doesn't especially if he's not a running quarterback even if he's mobile does he need to be a significantly better passer for you than to to kind of be on the same par as like you know a rushing quarterback coming out then yeah yeah absolutely the nice part is we're kind of spoiled this year uh all of all of the major quarterbacks with the exception of mac jones uh i would say are are very mobile and some of them are you know you would even consider runners at times so uh i we're, we're pretty spoiled with this class in that in that sense and uh, a question I had here for both you and Zach pretty much answered. It sounds like maybe you did too. And at the end there, uh, would you say quarterback is probably the weakest one, uh, the toughest one for you to evaluate? Oh, well? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, I it, it's funny. So my my good friend Jared Wackerly, um, he he played quarterback at Akron, and uh, so a guy that knows his stuff. And he's even like, dude, honestly, like. If the team likes them and they're they're drafted high, like yes. I'm probably interested. Like, you know, he's like, I, I just you know, there's so much of this that is that is the time spent in the playbook, the time spent for the quarterback watching tape, the time spent like, and we we're just not privy to all of that information. And so, unless you got some inside sources inside a locker room and you know that kind of stuff, like you're you're probably just going to to try to go on the the traits that you see that work most often. And, and hope the stuff between the ears is there. Okay. And uh, so moving on to the next point, which was that, you know, we've gone through now what you're looking for at every position. What at that point are you then doing to rank them? I, I believe if from, if I am interpreting correctly from listening to both you on your, on your pods, you have sort of a scoring system you may use when mm-hmm. you, after you, so how, how do you both do that? Garrett, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, so what we we call ours our our nerd score, and so basically what we do is we take all of the categories that we think are significant, and uh, we give it a numerical grading system. So, uh, ten being like the absolute absolute best. Like, uh, and and last year uh, a ten for us. I think I only had two tens on all of the players that I ranked ever, uh, or not ever, but in that year, uh, and it was Henry Rugg Speed was a ten. And uh, Jerry's Jerry Judy's route running was a ten. Those were the only two tens that I had out of you know running backs and receivers. Those are the only two that we do the the specific nerd score for. Um, but it, it, as far as the rest of it goes, you know we weigh certain things heavier. You know we kind of talked about that earlier. There's you know uh, 
pad level, I'm not going to rank that nearly as high for me as vision is on running back, but it is still a part of the equation uh, in there. So we give certain percentages to certain things and weigh them differently. And then that, that kind of spits us out with a, a specific score. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes we'll tweak it a little bit like, ah, oh, maybe I was you know too critical on this or after going back and watching it more, I, I think I might've missed this the first time around or things like that. But uh, usually what I see after four or five games or so is usually roughly where I'm going to end up. It, it changes slightly once you get into seven, eight, nine, whatever, but uh, that's usually where I end up. And, and what's your process for that film ranking, Zach? So it's really similar. Uh, you know, I, I rate all of the traits one to 10 by half points. Uh, and, and then uh, depending on the number of so I think running back has 11 and, and receiver has 10. So I just divide by that number. It gives me, uh, you know, the score based out of uh, a one to 10 grade. And, and then I go through and, and just kind of stack them up and and see where they fall. And, and the best part to me about this. So you get your film grade. Right. And that's not where this ends, because. Then we have the analytics. Then we have the combine. Then we have the draft. And so, so everything, it's, this is just a, a piece of, of the entire process. So you don't have to be right now where, where we are uh, in March. You don't have to be 100% solid on your uh, draft order, you mm -hmm. know, the, the way you draft players in rookie drafts. But I want to be solid on where my film grade is so then when i start uh, taking other things into account i have a foundation to build on zach i do have a, a question for you with with your process and i'm curious about so for me when i when i'm when i'm all said and done with my film scores and uh you know i have it ranked and you know whatever whatever that number comes out as i tend to find that if i were to go back year after year if i would stick solely to my film score more so than allowing much of the other stuff to like cloud it, I almost would have been better off. Do, yeah. do you find that to be similar or no? Yeah, I mean, like I'll I'll gain a few players, but it, it was funny. Peter Howard did a show. It was probably two months ago now, where uh, where he went back and looked at his year over year uh, scores and, and how he hit, and he was like, oh, "I'm okay." And so I started looking. And I was like, "Okay," so I had. Over the past four years, I had C.D. Lamb as my one, Justin Jefferson as my two, A.J. Brown as my three, Rondell Moore and Jamar Chase as my four and five, D.J. Moore as my six. And I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. all right. I mean, then we, we get into, like, Devontae Smith and James Washington is probably a washout. But sure. Cortland Sutton, like, I, like I, I feel pretty good about, good about my film yeah. scores. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, I don't adjust, and I think we're probably going to talk about that, but I don't adjust a lot um, yeah. based on other people's. What what I will do is if if somebody in the analytics community or say if, if you, Garrett, really disagreed on a player, uh, we had a, a really different view on a player, I'll go back and watch that player. Mm -hmm. I'll talk to you and say, okay, what did you see? I'll go back and watch and see if I see that. And if I miss something, Great, I'll adjust. Yeah. If I didn't, no, I'm gonna stick to my guns and 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 be be happy. I'd rather I'd rather get beat. I'm a I'm a baseball player. I, I'm sorry. I played baseball in college, not football. Yeah. But but I'm gonna get beat on my fastball. So you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw my slider. 
Like I'm going to throw my fastball, and and to me that's my film analysis. Yeah, and and so that's where if I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat with my film analysis. So I'm going to break my ties toward what I saw. Yeah, yep, yeah. And it, it's funny both of you that, especially Garrett, when we were on Trade Addicts a few weeks ago, I had said something to the effect that I, I almost feel if if we had just gone with what we, what our pre-draft rankings were, I think a lot of times that might end up being a lot better than, than what we, uh, how much we, especially as a community, not you guys specifically adjust for certain things uh, after sure. the draft. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, and Zach, uh, again, uh, getting into our next portion, give me the transition. Uh, I did want to ask about some other factors, you know, post film analysis, um, one thing that I guess maybe sort of blends in with the film analysis that we haven't touched on yet is how do you factor in uh, like level of competition or specific conference? I mean, we all know the SEC is like, you know, the, the conference in college football. Does that make a difference to you um, if you have two similar players or maybe even one that's it, 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 when it's close? So do what, what do you think there, Zach? So for me, when I'm watching the players, I, I try not to take that into account because I think you get that from uh, the combine and you get that from the, the NFL draft. So you, you figure out what the NFL thinks about these players. And, and you also with the combine, I, I usually the combine doesn't factor uh, very much into my process, except for on the players who are lower levels. So last year, uh, you know, you talk about James Robinson. James Robinson was a player that when I did my evaluation of, I said, look, I think he's really good, but it's hard to, to evaluate a player from a lower conference. It, he looks like a player that, that has the ability. You saw him go to the combine and you're like, oh, okay. So he's, he's an, an NFL type athlete playing in a lower, com a lower competition as opposed to being a good player playing against lower competition. And there's a difference. So you'll see players. I mean, that's, that's going to be the thing that, that I think we're really going to miss this year with like Jarrett Patterson because Jarrett Patterson absolutely tore up uh, at Buffalo. Like he's, he's second all time rusher. He ran 230 fewer times than, than the leader and was only 165 yards short of being their all time leading rusher, but we're not getting the combine. So you're going to have to trust the pro day. You're going to have to. So is he really that NFL level athlete? Or was he tearing it up against, you know, guys who are bagging groceries next week? And so that's the that's the way I account for the conference is I don't account for it until I have something concrete to, to tell me otherwise. And what are your thoughts on that, Garrett? And, and, and what Zach uh, mentioned in there as well with the, the combine stuff, uh, which we won't have this year. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, I do, I do think you have to do your very best to try to do it independent of, of the competition. You really do have to to watch the player. But, you know, there, there are definitely times where it's like, you know what, I, I want to see him against the best of the best. And so, uh, you know, if, if it's, you know, playing against Alabama versus, you know, playing against, you know, I don't know, <laughs> a, a Sunbelt school, I don't know. Uh, you know, that 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 is something that is good to see. But it, but it will still – it still comes down to the player. Really, the only thing that changes is okay. Would this player have beat all the angles against a faster team? You know, would would this player have been able to break the tackle against stronger teams? Would this player? So that's the thing that you kind of have to weigh in your head is, you know, was this is this kid strong 
Or is it just that the kids that he play, was playing against weren't that strong? Is it that he would be able to get the corner against most, you know, major colleges or it's just he, he played against the worst defense I've ever seen? You know, so that's the hard part with some of it. But it, but you had, you do have to do your best to try to do it independent. And, yeah, the combine not happening sucks. Uh, that's one of the things for me to finding uh, – my, my breakout guys, like I, I kind of have like three things for me that are guys that are like the lower third, fourth, fifth level, you know, round guys that, that I look at. That's one of the things that I look for is, you know, the opportunity. How did they look on tape? And then did they hit some of those physical benchmarks that traditionally lead to success out of out of those positions? And so and that's more of an analytical thing more than a than a tape thing, honestly. But yeah, and fair. and uh, with the lack of a combine this year and uh, I think you both kind of said it's not a huge factor but uh, other than those later round guys but are you completely kind of ignoring the pro days this year since it seems like we can't really depend on that I mean I normally ignore the pro days and, exactly. and the combine so like yeah, yeah it's it's not I mean we'll we'll let the analytics guys adjust the adjusted adjustment score you know for the, for the, for the pro days like but <laughs> yeah no the combine's always hilarious because it's like Oh man, this guy just ran a four three. Move him up your board. And it's like <laughs> we always knew he was gonna run a four three. Like, why like, why is this changing? Why is he moving yeah. up? We always knew he was fast. Classic case of double counting, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Now, the only time that that mattered for me was when it was a guy that I did not expect to run fast. And all of a sudden he ran, you know, two tenths of a second faster than I thought. Why are you looking at Justin Jefferson? <laughs> why are you yeah, exactly. doing that? <laughs> And even then, though, I assume it's more like you want to go back and watch him again than, than that that's yeah, actually yep. itself being a factor in your decision. Yep, exactly. So, like, two guys that that ran faster than I think most people thought last year were Denzel Mims and Chase Claypool. Like, those were two guys that really exploded because of the combine. And for me, it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, now I definitely have to move them up. It's, okay, now I need to go watch them more. Did I see that on tape? Did I not? And, you know, Chase Claypool got me. I'm not going to lie. And what I realized was a bulk of the games that I had had really spent time in were games after his injury. And I didn't I didn't put that together ahead of time. And so, like, those are some things with the film process that you can get caught up in if you if you if you, you know, see the wrong things or whatever. So uh, that's definitely something to be be cognizant of. And uh, not to ignore you, Zach, but uh, you kind of already talked about this some already, which was the analytics factor. So I'm going to ask Garrett again, um, just because uh, he hasn't spoken on it as much. So how much, if at all, do you factor in any analytics um, to augment your rankings? um, Or or is that just you leave that to the analytics guys and you don't really think about it much? No, I think I think if you I think if you ignore it entirely, you're doing yourself a disservice. There's a reason that uh, you know there that we have these historical trends. There's a reason that NFL front offices are using it more than they ever have before. So I think to just completely ignore any set of information at all is 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 a hindrance. That being said, if I were to put a a score to it, like I would say my final rankings or about 80 or so percent my film score. Then I'll let the NFL draft, the analytics, the college production, the you know different things like that. They can all they can all fight it out over that extra 20%. Uh, but but it's going to be mostly my film score. Okay, and we've also mentioned uh, in the conversation recently the, the draft. Uh, and obviously, I think we all know, and, and most people listening know, draft capital is one of the most important measures when you're when you're talking about 
uh, ranking guys, especially for for fantasy football, with the opportunity they're going to get, all that kind of thing. So, um, but just wondering how how much can that shift? How like how off does the draft capital have to be for you to really? adjust your ranking zach like i know the classic case that comes to mind for me is akeem butler was it was like a top five guy for a lot of people a couple of years ago and, and then got drafted in the sixth round so that that's an extreme example but is it more like a, as long as they go by day two thing you're still okay with your film analysis kind of thing yeah the first three rounds are really kind of key um because the nfl this is the one time of year the nfl can't lie to us where, where they're making their pick and they're saying, you know, we're spending our capital drafting players that we think fit with our team and that we're going to give an opportunity, uh, you know, to get playing time and to get touches. And, and that's what translates to fantasy points. You need to have volume. You need to have the ball in your hands in order to score fantasy points. I haven't figured out a way to do that without IDP, you know, yet. Uh, so, so that, I mean, that really is – Draft capital for me is first three rounds, yeah, wheels up. Round four, you're starting to be a little bit concerned. And if a guy falls, you know, it, you know, like like Hakeem Butler, although I, I avoided that trap. That was very nice because <laughs> he was he was a player who was just as we talked about with wide receivers wanting them to be able to do more than one thing. He was a down the field, create separation vertically instead of being able to create separation from a defender, you know on the field downfield and and so so he was a he was a high point guy and so I, I kind of avoided that but I got caught up in like Nikhil Harry you know that sort of thing but he went early so you, it's it's hard it's it's more of a again all of these things so so with your analytics with your with your combine and with the draft capital it's a series of checkpoints to me and, and the the more boxes that gets checked the the better I feel about the evaluation, the process, and then the rankings. Uh, just, um, I know we said we weren't going to get too much into specific players, but you mentioning them just made me think of that because I'd actually thought of that coming into the show. Is how, how wrong we get some of the like on a guy like Nikhil Harry? What what happened? And, and unless you maybe think there's still a chance there, but uh, how did we get it so wrong? Like he was most people's wide receiver one, wide receiver two at, at latest. So another guy comes to mind is like Laquan Treadwell was everybody's one or two coming out. Like what happened there? So Treadwell is a little different story. Treadwell is closer to me to Hakeem Butler, where you saw him create separation with physicality and being able to high point. And if you are bigger and stronger than everybody you're playing against, then that works. Once you get to the NFL, you're not going to be the, the biggest fish in the pond. And so you need to be able to create separation more than just one way, unless you are, you know, legitimately, you know, an incredible Uber athlete. And, and even then you're still going to get, get bit with, um, with Nikhil Harry though, I think that, that the trap I fell into is I didn't love him down the field. I didn't think he did a great job separating downfield, but inside of 12 yards, he was fantastic. He could catch the ball and, and create yards after catch. And I'm like, man, you slide him into a big slot roll and, and let him work between the twenties from that, from that big slot position and, and, you know, hit him on bubble screens and let him use his athleticism. And then once you get into the red zone, you can let him use that high point ability and, and throw him back shoulder fades and whatnot. 
And, and so I got caught in this trap where you assume, and and man, even, even Bill Belichick fell victim to this. You assume that coaches are going to use players in the way that you envision it. And for whatever reason, either he couldn't do what I thought he could, or they didn't have a spot because they had Edelman in the slot. And so they had to bump Harry to the outside where he's not as effective, you know, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't pan out. And I think that's, that's a really good uh, kind of point is we're just mitigating failure. Like, like that's, that's all this is, is we are, we're going to fail at this probably 65, 70%. I mean, no, we're going to succeed at this 65, 70% if we're hitting it as as well as we can. And, and so, you know, you're still failing 30, 35%. Like that's 40%. Like that's crazy that the best analysts are going to fail at that rate. And so, you know, don't kick yourself when you're wrong, but evaluate why you were wrong. Right. And if it's something that has evolved in the NFL, it's something that has evolved in fantasy football, then your process needs to evolve. If it was something that you just missed or a guy didn't, because there's so many factors that go into success in the NFL that you can't predict everything. So, so to me, it's, it's dialing in the process and figuring out what were the variables that you missed on and whether they're going to be pertinent to your process going forward. And, uh, Gary, uh, I, we started with draft capital there and veered off into kind of a whole different other direction. Anything you want to <laughs> say on any of that? No, no. I think, I think Zach made some really, really good points, um, talking in and, and it's funny because one of the things that has evolved in my process and Zach, I know you've, you were talking about the, the receiving ability of running backs earlier and, and, uh, you know, I, I think we've been like eye to eye on almost everything, which has been cool. But this is the one area that has actually shifted a little bit for me. Uh, and, and it's reflected in my scores a little bit. Pass catching has somewhat become a pass fail grade for me. Um, not necessarily in the, uh, you know, route running and things like that. Like I want to see them, if a guy is able to be split out, like that's obviously something special, you know, things like that. But it's more about like, are they physically able to catch on a fairly regular basis? Yes or no. Because what we've seen over the years is we've projected some of the best receiving backs in the class. Josh Jacobs was one of the best in his class. Clyde edwards alaire was one of the best in his class. Neither one was really used that way. They, mm -hmm. they just, their offense chose not to use them significantly in the passing game so far. We've seen two of the guys that got lower marks. They weren't gross. But two of the guys that got lower marks, Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson, they were used a bunch in the passing game. They used them all the time. So I think not necessarily from a scouting NFL perspective, I've minimized it because I do think it's still a very part of the a big part of the process. But as far as like the weight that I've put on it in my overall score has been minimized a lot. It's just can they do it physically? Do I think that they can do it at a decently regular pace at the NFL level? Yes or no. And that's really kind of where that line ends for me now at this point. And, and uh, was, as you were saying, that I was thinking too, Melvin Gordon was another guy who didn't catch the ball a lot in college. Yeah. Right? And he's been, he's been greatly used as a, would you, is, did you see anything when scouting Melvin Gordon that would have projected that he'd become a consistent pass catching back? I, that was a little bit before I started doing fantasy football scouting okay. regularly. So I, I wish I could say one way or another, but that was a little bit before I, I took it as serious as I do now. No, but I, I think that he was a break. 
uh, glass in case of emergency. Like that, that's the funny thing to me about some of these guys. If you look at the players who come into the NFL who haven't had the 20 catch, and again, it's not predictive, it's but it, it is a, a nice little box to check. Sure. Melvin Gordon didn't have that, but the first year that they used him as a pass catcher, Danny Woodhead got hurt. And so they did not have anybody else in that backfield to throw to, and Philip Rivers needed that that outlet. Yeah, the, same, the same thing, the same thing with Leonard Fournette a couple of years ago, sure. when when yeah, he sure. was the only back in that backfield. And and I came on with Peter Howard uh, right before the Scott Fishbowl uh, in 2019, and said, "Look, Leonard Fournette is going to be a league winner this year because there is nobody else. T.J. Eldon is gone. There's nobody else to catch the ball in that backfield." I didn't anticipate him getting 100 targets and having 70 catches, but like 50 was in the in the realm of possibility. And, and so it's it's a lot of that situational, a lot of that's a lot of that's beyond our control. Uh, but but I do think I, I'm with you. It's 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 a little bit of a pass fail with that. If they if they showed me that they could catch the ball in college, there's a real good chance that they're going to u- be used that way in the NFL. It's not 100 percent, you know. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like I, I, I admit that it's it's definitely not foolproof, but. And, and it's frustrating because you you do. I mean, if you're anything like me, I spend a lot of time like looking into yeah. you know how natural is it for them, you know how how well do they you know run the the swing versus you know different things like that. Like I, I evaluated a bunch of that, and it just kind of got to the point for me where I was like, I think my time's better used scouting other things because it's it's really just can they do it enough? Yes or no. Yeah, and and I look for the transition too. So like between the catch and transition back to a runner, sure. because that's deadly. If you can get a guy in space who can get back to a runner before the defense has had time to kind of react, then sure. then man, you can do some damage. Yep. Yeah, it's a really good point. And uh, one last thing before we finish up here, and something we sort of touched on already is uh, besides just draft capital itself. How much? How much do you guys weigh situation when you're finally, you know, you're getting into your rookie drafts? You have, you know, you know the draft capital, you know the team. Uh, do you try? I, I, like I said earlier, I almost feel like we should almost ignore that at this point, given some of what we've seen recently. Uh, I've mentioned before, you know, AJ Brown is the classic example everyone points out. I think on the opposite end, Ceh is an example of this that that we maybe as a community bumped him up too much uh, for the situation. Um, but what do you think? Are you adjusting at all based on situation? Assuming the guy got the draft capital you want, do you adjust at all because he goes to a great team or what seems like a great situation or knock him down some because it's, you know, the Titans with Marcus Mariota? Very, <laughs> very moderately. Uh, very, very moderately. One of the guys that – and I, and I say that because I know that to be true, but it's still easy to, to get caught up in it. Like I, I still find myself like one of the biggest – situational narratives that hurt some of my teams. And there were a lot of guys I hit on. And it was great. But one of the guys that I didn't hit on as much was because of this was Justin Jefferson. I did not love the situation going to Minnesota. I thought that, you know, he would be best suited. I knew he could work on the outside, but I thought he'd be best suited as a slot guy. They ran a lot of two tight end sets before with, with um, Stefanski. 
So I knew that they weren't going to be running a lot of opportunities for in the slot. And when there were, I thought Adam Thielen would get the bump there. They were one of the lowest volume passing teams in the league. They, I think they were the fourth lowest or third lowest out of anybody last year. So I just thought all of those things coming together and then the emergence of what we were starting to see at the end of the year out of Irv Smith Jr., I thought, well, maybe he might he might actually end up being third in the pecking order and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I constructed all of these narratives because of the situation. And then the dude had 1,400 yards, you know. So I, at the end of the day, good good players win. They, they figure out ways to get them the ball. They figure out ways to do things. And it's tempting. And, and I need to catch myself with it because, you know, you, it's, it's easy draft night, the excitement, thinking of all the scenarios of what could be and whatnot. At the end of the day, nine, nine times out of 10, the best player is going to make the best plays the most often. Yeah, your fellow nerd, Matt, didn't care about any of that, did he? He did not. He <laughs> was right. And he was right. He was wrong about Stefan Diggs, though. That, that is very <laughs> strange. <laughs> Has he finally come around on that? Or? Ish. Ish. <laughs> uh, but, Zach, uh, what about you on situation before we tie this up here? Yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. And I think that situation matters to me a lot less with wide receiver because the longevity of the position and the – I mean, things change so fast in the NFL – you know, whether it's quarterback, whether it's coaching, whether it's the other guys in the receiving core, things change so fast. The the one thing about running back, though, is if you're coming into a backfield that looks crowded, there's only one running back position ostensibly. I mean, you you get kind of the the, um, running back by committee, but – but if you're looking for fantasy production, you want that guy who is who's toting the rock, you know, 20 times. You want three or four uh, targets a game. And if you're coming in, you know, say whoever you've got up, up high this year, say you've got Javante Williams, if he comes into a backfield that's already got Derrick Henry, you know, that that's that's a negative. So so to me, it's it's a lot more um, important for a landing spot for a running back. Although I'm not jumping them up tiers like that. That's the other thing is. So Kyle and I got into this last year with, with Clyde Edwards because I had him at the bottom of my second tier. When uh, we went into the draft, he got drafted in the first round, went to Kansas city. Kyle was like, he's one-on-one. I'm like, no, he cannot go ahead of Jonathan Taylor for me. Like I can't do that. Jonathan Taylor's in another tier I'll put Hilaire up there, you know, at two. If I'd really been sticking to my guns, he would have been three. But I'm not jumping uh, a guy a full tier with landing spot. It just it doesn't make any sense to me because of exactly what Garrett said. Good players are going to come in and and make plays. So that's what we're looking for is is good players. Right. Okay. So. I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you guys is just any 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 final thoughts on, on this whole discussion here, this whole process, uh, anything maybe I didn't touch on. Uh, so, Garrett, any, any anything you want to say to kind of tie this up? Yeah, Zach, Zach said it as well. This is definitely a subjective process. There are things that, uh, you know, are, are not absolutes in all of this. Uh, be, be willing to listen to those that have done it longer than you, uh, that have had, you know, really good experience. Uh, you know, success at scouting specific positions. Some guys are much better at scouting receiver than they are running back or, you know, different things like that. Listen to those guys that have had a lot of experience. One like small, this is going to sound stupid, but like one small little tip I'd give out is 
don't watch all of your player tape on a single guy in one night. Break it up. And like, even if you want to spend more time, that's fine. Watch a different player for a little bit. Sometimes literally like how tired you are or what kind of mood you are in can absolutely affect some of the, the process for you. Not a ton, but enough sometimes that, you know, all of a sudden, well, shoot, I'm taking Kenneth Gainwell over Javante Williams now because you were in a bad mood and you didn't get a lot of sleep when you watched Javante Williams, you know, and whatever that might actually be, you might have that. That's fine. But, uh, I, I think that's one thing that I've learned too is that you know the conditions of when you're watching, how you're watching can absolutely affect things, even even a small level, but it could could change your rankings. And what about you, Zach? Any any final thoughts on this whole process? Yeah, take notes and don't be afraid to count. And I know that's that's taboo. We're we're over here on the film side, you know, those those number nerds, they they can keep all but don't be afraid to count things because to me, and I said it earlier, you know, a guy being able to repeat things is more important to me than, than a guy being able to, to make a highlight play. And, and so I think that that sometimes we get caught in in the wow factor. We get caught in the, the sports center, you know, top 10 and, and one hand or, you know, a, a player leaping over a defender. But what these guys are are what they do most often. And so I think that's that's the thing for me to really take away. Okay, good stuff. And I just want to say uh, this has been everything I, I'd hoped it would be when I asked you guys to come on. This was a lot of great information here, I think. I want to thank you both very much for coming on and uh, just uh, give you both a chance to – kind of uh, sign off here give your give your twitter handles your you know plug your pods whatever you want to do so uh gary you want to you want to do that and then we'll go to zach sure sure uh you can find uh me on twitter at dynasty price uh you can find basically all my work over at dynasty nerds all the different things we have going on with the gm tool it's a it's a great way to organize your teams and kind of show you where you're strong and weak things like that the film room this time of year is is huge you know we just spent this this whole episode talking about it. If you want a good place to just come find film, it's it's neatly organized. You can find it different years on different players, all that kind of stuff. And like I said, over the past two months, we, we finally started putting in some All-22 as well. So uh, you'll be able to find some games of that for uh, specifically the bigger name guys. But even we're starting to get some in from the smaller game, name guys as well. It's a great place to, to find that. And what about you, Zach? Yeah, I am at Tacit Assassin 13 on Twitter. And uh, I, I roll over with the Dynasty Dummies podcast on the DFPN network, the only network in town. So we're, we're easy to find. Uh, and, and right now, uh, J. Mike and I are doing uh, our film note series going through uh, the top 12 uh, running backs, the top 12 wide receivers, and uh, some quarterbacks and tight ends you know that sort of thing and then and then we'll go back and and do a little bit of a catch-all so uh, you can you can check that out uh, over on the dynasty dummies spot yeah and that's been great stuff and i, and I know garrett uh, you guys over at the nerds are going to be getting in, in deep with your rookie stuff yep. coming up very soon so starts, starts this week man yep i'm looking forward can't to can't wait <laughs> yeah it's fun it's fun and it, it's fun and it's exhausting like you when you first like really get into it deep you're like yeah this is great i love this and then you get to like the actual draft and you're like Oh my gosh, I'm so done talking about these guys. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, but but we all enjoy listening to it. So uh, I'm just going to finish up with some of our business here. Uh, I did want to mention to people there is going to be a little bit of announcement uh, on the show coming next week. Uh, good stuff. We're not, we're not going away again or anything. But um, So stay tuned for that. 
And uh, just a reminder to follow. You can follow me at Dynasty FF Addict. Uh, make sure you're following the pod at Dynasty Junkie so you can see when new episode comes out. Definitely follow uh, the DAP Network at DAP underscore Network. Uh, you, you, you can get Fantasy Timeline from there. Obviously, Trade Addicts. Uh, get real with Casey Kasem. So subscribe to them as well. Subscribe to us. Uh, please give us a rate and review if you like what you've heard. Uh, we definitely like seeing the reviews, uh, see what you think. And I, I think we're done. It's been a great episode. Thank you guys again for coming on. Junkies out. <laughs>